Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, the words for our consideration this morning are those words of the Old Testament reading. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is Our Righteousness. So far, the sermon text. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this new year and consider now the life uh, and death and resurrection and ascension of your Son, Jesus, we pray that uh, you would lead us to understand all that he has done for us, increase our faith, and sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Fellow redeemed in Christ, Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's after Thanksgiving. So be prepared for a solid month of Christmassy tunes. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas as the advertisers are putting the jingle bells in their jingles. The Salvation Army is ringing their silver bells, and Christmas lights are beginning to show up all over town. Sometimes the lead-up to Christmas can be kind of excruciating. When you're a child, it seems like it will never get here. When you're an adult, if you hear Feliz Navidad one more time, you're going to lose it. We Christians know that Christmas is not about the Christmassy stuff. And yet there is something that we ought to observe and think about. This morning we want to pay attention to the waiting, and the anticipation, and the preparation that lead up to Christmas. In many parts of the Christian church, the season of Advent is all about paying attention and waiting and preparing for the coming of our Lord. In our hearts, we remember how Jesus came as the lowborn son of the Virgin Mary some 2,000 years ago, and we look forward to celebrating that event on Christmas Day. We're also anticipating and preparing for Jesus' return on the last day. We spend four weeks doing this every year in our church, but can you imagine, can you imagine what it would be like if the lead-up to Christmas lasted thousands of years instead of months? That was truly the situation that faced the believers of the Old Testament the paying attention, waiting, and anticipation for the Lord to fulfill his promises began with that first promise that God made 
in the perfect Eden of God's creation, our first parents, Adam and Eve, indirectly received God's good promise of a Savior. They had done the opposite of deserving it. In fact, they had broken God's one and only commandment to them by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from the fear that they immediately began to display, it's clear that they expected to hear a promise of punishment. But instead, the Lord spoke to the serpent who had tempted them. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first and most important promise God made to mankind, and all the rest of the Old Testament history is just the unfolding of God's plan to fulfill it. Now, fast forward through the centuries, if you will, to the prophet Jeremiah. He lived about 2,600 years ago, many thousands of years after God made that promise to the serpent. And God gave him these words. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. By this time, many generations had come and gone since Adam and Eve. And surely by this time, most peoples of the world had had forgotten that original promise. Among the people of Israel and Judah, where God had continued to proclaim it to them, most of them had settled into, I'll believe it when I see it. 600 years ago was a long time. That's before the Lutheran Reformation, when many still thought the world was flat. Christopher Columbus hadn't yet sailed. That's 600 years. The people of Israel still had a long time to wait after this prophecy of Jeremiah. A long time to wait for God to fulfill his promise. But the faithful continued in their faith, trusting that the Lord would fulfill his promise because the Lord does not lie. The long wait was important because through it, God was preparing his faithful people to pay attention to the waiting and the anticipation and preparation to be sure the destination, the fulfillment of God's prophecy was important, but so was the journey there. God gave many more details to the believers than had been heard previously. Jeremiah writes, In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. The Savior would defeat the devil, and the Savior would be human, a blood descendant of David, this says. And the faithful knew what this meant, even though it was still a bit fuzzy for them back then. But then as St. Paul wrote, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Just look at the depth of the prophecies that the gospel writers could point to when Jesus came. 
Matthew and Luke both record these lengthy genealogies of Joseph and Mary to show us that indeed Jesus was born and that he was descended from King David. Luke records that Jesus was not born of a human father, but of the Virgin Mary. Jesus was the seed of the woman whom God had promised all the way back in Eden. The gospel records for us many details of Jesus' extraordinary life, too. He did not sin. He lived under and obeyed God's law in every last detail. He grew in wisdom and stature among men, it says, a true human being. He learned and knew God's word and taught it with authority. And his many miracles proved who he was. He healed the sick and gave sight to the blind and caused the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the mute to speak so that every last prophecy in the Old Testament came true in him. He left no good deed undone. Think of that. But he brought his righteousness to the land everywhere he went. He trusted God throughout that earthly journey that he was making all the way to the cross. And when the time came, he gave himself up on the altar of the cross as the, the sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice for all sin. And he fulfilled all those pictures from the Old Testament that God had given, the animal sacrifices that were appointed to show the work of the coming Savior in the Old Testament. And how the believers of Israel must have rejoiced and yet God would have us pay attention also to the reaction of the rest of the people of Israel too. Remember that most of the people had long before either forgotten the importance of the promises of God or had given up on trusting that God would actually do what he had said. These were the ones who turned against Jesus. These were the ones who wanted the criminal Barabbas released instead of the most innocent man who ever lived. These are the ones who shouted, crucify him. How can it be that the same word was preached and taught to both of these groups? God would have us pay attention to this today. Jesus was not just the righteousness of believers back then. The Lord is our righteousness too, today. And we can only possess the truth and hold that righteousness by faith. And that faith has to come from God and be strengthened by him. If we were left to our own devices, we would have missed him too. We would have been standing around with that, I'll believe it when I see it attitude. But God has come to us. And through his word, he has brought us to faith so that we know of nothing to trust. But Jesus... And his righteousness. Growing up in our culture, we would have joined the majority in, in Israel and turned against this man who claimed to be God and Lord. We would have discounted and attempted to discredit the truth, and we sure wouldn't be looking to him for the answers. Listen again to the final words of our text. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. 
Our righteousness is not in ourselves. Isn't that clear to us? Why else do we come to this place burdened with our sins to confess, to confess them to the Lord and to remember our baptisms and to receive his forgiveness? Why else is the promise of forgiveness attached to the Lord's Supper so important to us? How else could we dwell securely when we daily are so selfish and thoughtless and cold towards those who are in need? How else could we dwell securely when we speak ill of our neighbor and oppose the efforts of our government to ensure our mutual well-being? When you stop to think of all these things, remember that the Savior has come. Remember that God fulfills his promises. Remember that God has sent his Son to redeem us from all this, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent sufferings and death. Remember that his gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Believe him. Trust him. He forgives you. And so give thanks for his goodness and then journey to the future with him in grateful anticipation. Each day will be filled with happy discoveries. Though maybe the world wouldn't see it that way. It won't be filled with that dreadful slogging away of the years that sometimes overcomes us. And trust that he will return Soon, as he promised to bring us from this veil of tears to himself in heaven. That's what Advent is all about. It's the lead up. Advent remembers the wait for God's promised Savior to appear. And Advent helps us in that possibly long preparation for his return. So during this season, listen to his word. And cherish this time of waiting for the promised Savior to come. To this end, may God bless the hearing of his word in us with renewed faith and the certainty of his forgiveness and a Christian life that's turning away from disobedience to gratefulness in Christ, our coming Savior. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.